Hi everyone, and welcome to Making It Count with Christina and Will, where we explore real ways to make your hard-earned money count today and every day. No matter your financial goals, we want to offer practical tips and insider tricks to help you accomplish them. Along the way, we'll learn from our local financial experts, answer listener-submitted questions, and share our own money experiences. So together, let's make make it it count. count. Hey everyone, and welcome to Making It Count. I am very excited about today's topic, which is all about starting out in your career. And I think this episode is going to really help a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. Did you know that the Bureau of Labor Statistics found that the average person will have 12 jobs in their lifetime, and people may change careers between three and seven times over the course of their lives? Well, that sounds like a lot, but I bet you when I think about the people I know, that actually makes sense. And including myself. People switch careers every once in a while here and there. All right. So, Christina, how many jobs (laughs) have you had so far? Okay. I really had to sit and think about this, like seriously. But I think there's two types of jobs. So I had jobs before I graduated from college and then jobs after. So before I graduated from college, I had five jobs. But sometimes I was working two at the same time. So let's be fair. And then after I graduated from college, I had eight jobs. (laughs) Whoa. So I've had 13 jobs in my life. I've never been fired though. So I've always self-selected to leave and to improve myself. So Will, how many jobs have you had? I have had three, but that includes actually both of my jobs that I had before or during college. So I started at Chick-fil-A when I was 15. Oh, so your first job was was my first job. And I was there for about four years. And then I went on to my next jobs and I've been at my current one for seven years. So man, your job and your car. You've been like dedicated. I really am quite dedicated to that Corolla. <laughs> to that Corolla. Okay, my first job was at Ross. And so I worked retail. Dress for less. Dress for less. Trademark. <laughs> I mean, it was a bunch. I learned a lot. So, you know, there's that. So let's meet our guests and see. I'm so curious to find out what their first jobs were. So our first guest is Jordan George. He's the director of HR and talent development at Addition Financial and also one half of our Addition Financial resident married couple from our Money Plus Love mini series. Welcome back, Jordan. Thank you, Christina. I'm happy to be back. Have you been sleeping on the couch? I have not. Yay! No. Despite your best efforts in getting me in trouble with my spouse, I really she tried. has allowed me to continue the normal arrangements. So. I'm happy to Will might not be happy to hear. I am genuinely happy to hear that. So tell us about yourself. Yeah. So like you said, uh, I oversee our recruiting, training, and pretty much everything else under the HR umbrella here at Edition Financial. I really, truly have the best job in the world, and I'm so happy to be here and to get to work with so many great colleagues. I've been with Edition Financial for about six years. I've spent the majority of my career in the credit union industry, but my very first job going way back was I cut lawns like a lot of young kids do. Although I listed it on my resume for several years as a landscape maintenance engineer. (laughs) You know, you got to play up those skill sets as best you can. Landscape art professional. That's right. Landscape architect. But my first kind of, I guess, formal job where I got a real paycheck was also at Chick-fil-A. Oh. Like Will. So we did not work together, but we maybe could have been ships passing in the night. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, we're giving them a lot of free advertisement right now. Yes. Great, great company. I have changed jobs and roles many times, but seven companies over the years. So So kind of in between the two of us. In between, Yeah. yeah. 
Well, thanks. It's good to have you back, Jordan. We are also joined by a second guest. Cliff Marvin is the Director of Public Affairs at Career Source Central Florida. Cliff, hi. How are you? I'm great, Will. How are you? Good. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Will do. Well, good afternoon again, and thank you so much for hosting me. I really, really appreciate that. I've been a career source for over a year now. I started in 19, which is kind of exciting, but my very first job, very similar to yours and to Jordan's and perhaps Christina's, was also it's sort of a fast food mecca, was Mrs. Fields Cookies. You worked in the mall. I was about oh, yeah. to say that. Oh, yeah. Mall hangout. I loved every minute of it because I always smelled great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I always had... And Sabaro was always nearby. Yes. Yeah. And Chick-fil-A. Yep. It was very, very, very exciting. But now I've had the great pleasure of working here at Career Source Central Florida. And for those who may not know what we do... We provide comprehensive services to connect career seekers with local businesses, and we provide services from, you know, screening and hire talent. We also do employee training and education and paid internships, but we really try to pair the right fit talent with the best business fit and create, you know, a very strong and robust economy through workforce. Well, we are so excited to have you, Cliff and Jordan, for joining us today. So I'm just going to dive right in. Cliff, I'm going to start with you. Let's start with a big question. In our intro, we revealed that most people change careers several times during their lifetime. How can you tell when it's time to consider a career change? Well, it's an excellent question. And, uh, you know, thank you for addressing that. I think, you know, that's one of the stigmas in employment is how is it that you in one industry are now applying for a job in another industry? When you're stuck in a job, when you're feeling bored or you have sense of complacency or even, you know, become careless at what you're doing, that's sign of a very, very strong question that you may want to consider a big change. And another sort of common theme among people who are, you know, switching careers is feeling like they're not making an impact with their work. And that's something that we see every day. Because we're working with individuals who are assessing their skills and trying to determine where they're going to be best positioned for the next, you know, five, 10, and 20 years. And so we see that a lot, but we also understand that, you know, there's several factors that lead to changing careers. So I'm going to toss the next question to Jordan. What do you recommend if people know that they want to switch careers, but they aren't sure what to do? Yeah. So that's something that I, I run into all the time in my line of work. A lot of people reach out to me and ask that kind of question. I think the first thing to do is recognize that making a career shift is not something to take lightly. It's a big deal. There's a lot of implications, not just financially, but also to other impacts in your life, what kind of hours you work, when you're available, you know, location, closeness to your house, all that kind of stuff. So there's tons of things to consider. But I think a really good place to start is to kind of self-assess. Find the intersection of what you enjoy doing what you do well, and what you can get paid for. And if you can find all three of those things, that's kind of like the best case scenario, right? And in some cases, you may not always have the option of hitting all three out of the park. Find you know something that will allow you to do you know two of the three, right? So when I was growing up, I wanted to be everything under the sun. I think every year of childhood, I decided I wanted to grow up to be something different, a cop, a firefighter, a detective, an actor. Like, you know, I went through the whole range of things. And as I got closer to graduating high school, 
school, of course, I had to make that decision and start to start thinking about what did I want to do with my career. And there was a time really early on that I was like, I'm going to be an actor. That's what I'm going to do. I, I love getting to play characters and I like getting to be in front of people and, you know, all of that kind of thing. But I really quickly figured out that while it was something that I enjoyed and I was okay at it, there's a lot of way better people in the world than me and it wasn't something I was ever going to make any money doing. So that wasn't the right fit for me. But I started to think, what about that can I translate into something I can actually get paid for? And that's actually what got me into training, which was my first gig in HR, was getting to be in front of people and educate them about how to do their jobs more effectively. So my path and our listeners' path may be entirely different, but I think if you can start with a little bit of self-assessment and, and reflect on what it is that's important to you, but also what you can make money doing, that's a good place to start. Cliff, what can people with Career Source Central Florida do to make that career switch or start out looking for their very first job? Well, it's an excellent question and kind of building on what Jordan just mentioned. It's basically understanding your strengths and your weaknesses and understanding what type of career journey you want to engage in. You know, if you are starting out in the workforce, you want to research the companies that are going to be a good fit for you on all levels, but then also you want to figure out those companies that are going to have a good or a strong you know, career path that will align with what your interests are. So you know, people should be researching jobs in an area because of geography, because of job availability, but also you know, looking at it from the vantage point of, of those skills and And then looking at it from the vantage point of, can this organization that I'm going to invest so much time in contribute something to me, like, say, education, for instance, that's going to help me move the needle in my career path? Well, I think one thing that people often think about right away when they kind of come on that idea of switching careers or switching jobs is the financial aspect of how long can I go without a paycheck? So, Jordan, what are your recommendations for people in terms of financial preparations? Yeah, I think, first of all, if you're making this decision while you're currently employed, just start by recognizing how very lucky you are to even have the opportunity to think about switching jobs, right? Because there's so many people who are who are just starting out or trying to find a way to make that happen. But I think a good rule of thumb is save as much as you can before you decide to make that leap, especially if you're going to be maybe changing careers or going into a new field where your salary may not line up with the previous job you had, right? So it's even more important to have some savings set aside, a nice financial cushion, if you can make that happen in order to make that a less stressful transition. Because as it is, switching careers is hard enough mentally, physically, emotionally. So knowing that you've got a good financial cushion there is really important. Aside from that, uh, if you've got a spouse or family that you're close with, you may want to communicate with them, chat with them, let them know about what you're planning and make sure that in addition to the financial support, you've got some emotional support from them and the important people in your life to make that transition as well. That's great advice because Six years after college, I decided to totally change careers. And I went to a career that paid me less and I had to pay to get the certifications to be able to do that job. So, but in the long run, it was the best decision I could have ever made. Like it took me a couple years to recoup what I lost, 
but for me, I was happy and I had the support of all of my family and friends and that you hit the nail on the head. You really have to think about that part of, of financially and physically, emotionally through that. So let's talk about career development. So Cliff, how important is it to know where you want to go in a new career? It's an incredibly important aspect or idea that you want to be able to know for yourself, number one, in terms of uh, where you want your career to take you. It is also incredibly important that interviewers better understand what your ambitions are, where you want to go, what's your five and 10-year plan, but at the same time, have a better understanding of where that career can take you. What are the trajectories to get you to the next level, to the next tax bracket, and really help you advance your career. And so you want to have an understanding of, of the skills that you have now and where those skills can take you and also what skills need to be developed along the way to get you to where you want to be. Okay. So you get the interview, right? Your resume is set. You get the interview. Jordan, you probably have done, you have done countless interviews in your life, actually doing them and then giving interviews. I know it's so nerve wracking. I'm always nervous about that. And I know you always get that like random question, like, what's your favorite color? And you're like, oh my gosh, is there a right answer to that? (laughs) Or are you a cat or dog person? Like you always get like those questions. So how can you really prepare? Like give us some advice to get ready for those interviews. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think it just starts out with researching, you know, know the company that you're interviewing with, make sure, hopefully you've researched before you even applied, but if you haven't yet and you just happen to get that call, make sure you dedicate some time to researching what they're about, what they stand for, what they're involved in. If they're doing things within the community, what are some of their big challenges that they may be facing. And some people say, well, you know, how do I even start to find that information? And one great way to do that, and it sounds a little passe because it's such a, a big recommendation these days, is to network. Get to know some of the people that work there. And that's easier than it's ever been before with things like LinkedIn. You can just search a company, find people that work there, reach out. And the majority of the time, if you do that and you say, hey, you know, Christina, I'm interviewing at your company on Friday, and I would love any insight that you have about this position, this organization, what's important, that kind of stuff. Nine times out of 10, you know, as long as the person is not insanely busy, they will at least respond back to you and say, yeah, sure, I'd be happy to help with that. And the earlier you do that, of course, the better. The other thing I would say is just don't don't overthink it too much. A, a lot of people stress themselves out. You want to take it seriously, but you don't want to cause undue anxiety on yourself. Don't fake it. Be yourself. You want to paint yourself in the best possible light and highlight you know, the skills and education and experience that you have for the job that you're applying for. But at the same time, don't lie. Don't cover Good things advice. up. Good advice. <laughs> don't solid, don't try solid. to be someone you're not. You know, I always tell people, if you find that you're having to lie in the interview to fit in, that's probably not the right job for you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you're going to end up really uncomfortable, depending on what the lie is. Like, if you're lying about qualifications, you're going to realize how underqualified you are. Well, I feel like interviews are just as much as me interviewing you as you interviewing me. Absolutely. Yeah, don't discount yourself yeah. in that process a little bit. 
So when I find out, when I do interviews and I find out who's interviewing me, I totally LinkedIn stalk them so I can find things in common. So if like Jordan's interviewing me and we both went to the same college, I'm totally gonna be like, Jordan, I can't believe we both went to Rollins or whatever. So I could find some commonality. So I'm cyber stalking all of you. Oh God. (laughs) So I remember back in college, I think in freshman year, they did like the whole course where you learned how to give an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. And then the most, probably to me, one of the more annoying parts of job searching, the resume, the cover Mm. letter. So on on the terms of resume. Is cover letter even a thing anymore? I don't know. It still is. A lot of employers do ask for it. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. But with resumes in mind, Cliff, what advice would you give people about creating or updating their resumes as they go into their job search? Well, there's several things that uh, you need to take in consideration, but the first thing you need to do before you submit a resume for any job is to really, truly review the job requirements. And as Jordan pointed out, you want to make sure that those job requirements truly align with your skill sets and they're not a stretch. Or if they are a stretch, that you have the ability to be able to discuss those skills in a way that makes it obvious to the interviewer that you you have the capacity and the ability to be able to do that. You want to edit your resume to kind of highlight the areas where your skills and experience will match up and make sure that the employer or the interviewer, you know, completely understands that the skills that you have are going to meet those employer needs. I think another experience that you mentioned about being a a LinkedIn stalker is experience (laughs) and wonderful. But if you actually know somebody at that company, it's really an important asset to be able to reach out to that individual, talk to them about the corporate culture there, better understand if they have knowledge of the role that you're applying for, better understand what the organization looks for in, in a role similar to that, and better understanding, you know, how to position yourself in a way that sort of your past experience is uniquely relevant, fresh, up to date, and something that will ultimately benefit the employer. And I I think you need to position your resume in such a way that key words are also utilized to really move the needle. Because most of the time, to your point, Christina, companies are relying less on the cover letter, but they still do require it. But they're doing that sort of scan where they're looking at a resume and they're looking for those keywords or those buzzing words that will ultimately, again, bring you to the top of the pile. So those are some thoughts that I would say that you need to consider before moving your resume to the next level. I want to direct a rant to the employers for a moment. <laughs> uh Not really a rant. but And maybe Jordan can like give me some light into this since he's in HR. It really does bother me when a job requirement, like especially an entry level or just above an entry level, requires like five to 10 years experience. Sure, there are some jobs where you absolutely need that much experience. But it seems to me that oftentimes the job requirements can be so daunting for somebody and almost scare them away from it a little bit. Yeah, I'm happy to address that. I'm sure Cliff has an opinion on it too. And every <laughs> I other. I have no opinion, Jordan. No <laughs> opinion. <laughs> He's going to abstain from uh, an opinion. But uh, I'm sure every uh, hiring manager, recruiter, and candidate in the world has some opinion on that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think a lot of the times it just comes down to how that company 
has been coached internally about how to construct job postings and job descriptions. So some companies provide their hiring managers with a great amount of latitude in setting those requirements. And some are fairly strict in making everything run through HR and, you know, several levels of approval. And to get even deeper, there's some companies that have whole departments that are just there to structure job descriptions and requirements. So I think it depends largely on the organization, but I would agree with you. I think many times you know, one of the questions that I talk to our hiring managers about here at Addition Financial is when you're putting together a list of requirements for a position, let's be really sure that it is a requirement. You know, I think there's a little bit of a standard response to requirements is to include some sort of degree. Do they really need a degree? Is a degree actually going to make a difference in their ability to do the job? Or is it a certification? Or is it it preferred? Right. Yeah. And there's a difference, right? You can highlight something as preferred or, you know, highly desirable without it being a requirement. Oftentimes I'll ask hiring managers, if this person came in with five years experience doing the exact job that you're looking for, but didn't have a degree, would you still say no? And when you phrase it that way, you can sometimes change some opinions, but that goes right along with your question about entry-level jobs needing you know, excessive years of experience. Again, I think that's just some expectation setting that's gotta have. And for those who are listening, on the candidate side of that, if you're seeing that, then I think your focus can be highlighting the experience that you do have. And don't worry too much if you don't have exactly the number of years that you see on the job description. Oftentimes, those are desirable expectations, not black and white requirements. And that's been my hot take rant at the employers. <laughs> Back to you, Christina. I would also say with resumes, like proof your resume. Yes. Like there should be no there, there, and there mistakes. There should be no misspellings. <laughs> so like, yeah, like have somebody else look at it. The worst is when someone says that they have uh, excellent attention to detail and attention is spelled wrong. You yes. Know, it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> All right. So Jordan, like I shared earlier, when I did my big career change for that job, I had to have a certification and additional education. And it was tough. It was not an easy thing to do. Is there any advice that you would give our listeners that are in that same situation that do need some extra, you know, you may have a bachelor's degree, but you need X certification. Like, do you have any advice for that? Yeah, it's a great question. And first of all, kudos to you. I wanted to say this earlier for taking that leap of faith. Ooh, and, it was so scary. Yeah, it's tough to I change. I really can't imagine uh, that sounds... career fields, and uh, especially if you know you're going to be taking a kind of a cut and in pay initially. But you know, I think to address that question, there's a couple of different options here. So if you can afford it, it may be a good idea to just go ahead and pursue that certification or degree independently. If it's not something that you have the financial means to do, that is often sometimes employers, if it is a true requirement of the job, if you're a great candidate, they may be willing to pay for that after you've come mm. on board with a condition that you complete it within you know, the first three to six months on the job or something like that. So you can actually bring that up in the interview and you can even position on your resume in such a way that you say, you can list that certification and say, willing to complete this within my first six months or something like that. You can put that in a cover letter even. And then I think another thing that's just kind of an understated benefit in a lot of organizations, whether or not they offer tuition assistance or some sort of certification assistance plan, and that's definitely something you want to ask about in the job interview. 
because that not only is an investment that's going to pay off in your next job, but in all of your future career shifts in the same field down the road. So I would just say if, if you notice that you're applying for something and you don't quite have the education or certification that seems to be required and you happen to get an interview, ask that recruiter or hiring manager that if you're willing to do it within your first couple months on the job, will they be willing to, you know, take you on anyway. And and sometimes they will. And uh, it's a good way to, again, invest in yourself, but also get a foot in the door with that organization. All right. So the last question before we take a break, and I'm going to throw this to Cliff, what other preparations should people make when starting out or before switching careers? So preparation equals success in sports, in career, in life, just in general. I mean, there is no substitute for preparation. You know, it helps you in every way, shape, and form. As we've talked about, some of the the digital experiences from watching videos and reading articles and networking within professional organizations, as well as reaching out. I know one time during a career transition for myself, I scoured the internet and, of course, LinkedIn in the same way that, you know, Christina probably did. And I found several potential leaders and mentors, and I learned about the industry from just asking them if I could buy them coffee, right? And had great conversations with them and got a better insight and understanding of what life in that industry is like, as well as life in that specific role, as well as the types of things that help them become successful in that field. And there's really no no substitute for getting that firsthand knowledge, you know, by working or speaking with somebody who's actually in that space. I do think it's very, very important also that when conferences are back sort of full scale, that you're back out in front of individuals and you're having conversations with them about their industries and kind of understanding where they may or may not have had to pivot. I think every business right now in in this year has experienced some sense of change. So from a supply chain perspective or from a client engagement perspective or even a service perspective, and it's kind of better to learn from those peers in the in that organization and in that field before switching careers so that you have a much stronger understanding of what that field looks like now. Well, thank you both for the great information. We're going to pause for a quick break and then we'll return with our Making It Count Essentials. Making It Count is sponsored by Addition Financial. When your want to needs a little know-how, turn to the Money Smarts experts at Addition Financial. Just like this podcast, they're committed to empowering our community to make the best financial decisions possible. Count them into your financial journey at additionfi.com. Early insured by the NCUA and an equal housing lender. Welcome back. Now it's time for our quick fire question round. Are you gentlemen ready? For these tough questions. Ooh, absolutely. I'm ready. That's <laughs> right. when it gets real. This is when, wait, what's the, from the real world when life, never mind. That was. <laughs> that was a little before life, my time. Oh my gosh. That's why Bill. she's had 13 <laughs> jobs over the years oh and you've gosh. only had three. Oh man. Oh, now you guys are like not my friends anymore. Okay. Well, Cliff. No, I didn't watch Melrose plays Christina. No, it was the real, <laughs> no, it was the real world when life stops getting, and then it gets real from MTV reality yeah, TV. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Well, Cliff, because they're not my friends anymore, I'm going to send my questions off to you. So the first Thanks. question, Cliff, is when is it not a good time? Is there not a good time to switch careers? Well, if you've got other big life changes going on, it may not be an ideal time to switch. 
you know, for example, if you just had a baby or if you're in the middle of buying a house or relocating or any of those things, huge life events, not a good time to switch. All right. So my questions are going to be directed at Jordan. So Jordan, what's a question you think people don't ask before switching careers that they should be asking? Well, Cliff made a great point. A lot of people don't think about how the career switch is going to affect their life outside of work. So I definitely think that's one thing you want to consider. Another one is a lot of people focus so heavily on the dollar amount, the paycheck that I'm going to get, you know, what the pay rate is, the salary is, that they forget to think about all the benefits a company has to offer, which oftentimes have a lot more of an influence on your kind of work-life balance and well-being than the straight money does. So remembering to ask about things like paid time off, scheduling, wellness benefits, all that kind of stuff beyond the typical medical dental vision type plan. Cliff, what's the most important quality someone can bring into a new job? I would say open-mindedness and a willingness to learn. When you're in a new career, you need to be prepared to admit that you don't know everything and really be willing to be coached, right? To accept guidance from those peers who do know what they're doing. All right, back to you, Jordan. Do you think people should work with a career coach or is it possible to switch careers without one? It's absolutely possible to switch careers without one. In fact, a lot of people do. But if you have the finances to afford a career coach, it can definitely be worthwhile to work with one to help you kind of plan out your career path. Another alternative is to work with a mentor, somebody that you respect, that you value their career path. That could be a professor. It could be a former leader. It could be someone in your family. And kind of talk through your plan with that person and get their feedback. Considering Christina's long tenure above mine, I would consider her my mentor. Oh, was that like a backhanded compliment? She caught it. Oh, <laughs> man. No, but of course I, I mm-hmm. respect your tenure. I think this show is going to be just Christina from I now know, on. I'm getting fired very soon. <laughs> I'm going to need to switch careers. <laughs> Will, I can talk to you about a career in addition financially if you're interested. <laughs> I hear they have great benefits, mm. Will. Oh. <laughs> about that. Is it ever too late to switch careers? This is a good one for you, Will. I don't think so. You know, some companies might be reluctant to take on a more seasoned employee who they know is only going to work, you know, for the next 10 years before retiring. But I think that said, it's never too late to pursue your passion or your dreams or work that's meaningful to you. Well, I think this has been a really great interview. I'm probably needed it because my career is probably switching real soon. <laughs> but before we go, Cliff, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about Career Source? Well, I'd be delighted. Thank you. It is on the World Wide Web. Of course, it's careersourcecentralflorida.com. You can go there. You'll see all of the services that we offer from you know an individual career perspective where you'll have the opportunity to take skill assessments, work on resumes, career path, figure out your career journey. And also businesses have the opportunity to kind of take a look at some of the services that we offer them there. And again, that's www.careersourcecentralflorida.com. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. And Jordan, why don't you tell the listeners if they want a job at Addition Financial, per se, where they can find those listings? Absolutely. You can also find us on the World Wide Web (laughs) uh, at Addition F-I, that's F as in Frank, I as in ice cream, dot com 
slash careers. That's where you can find all of our open positions. Again, that's addition with an A, fi.com slash careers. You're also welcome to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn all day, every day, and I would be happy to connect with you. I've already connected with both of you because I'm a LinkedIn stalker. But the thing about LinkedIn is that you see that I saw you. I do not like that. Okay, that's you can for turn a that whole, off. I know, but then I can't see who sees me. Like I want to know who's looking at my oh, profile. Oh, I know. I leave it on because I'm like, who's looking? <laughs> well, thank you guys both so much for joining us today. All right, Will, are you ready for our favorite segment called What, what Did, Did We, we Learn, Learn today? today? Okay, so I will start. First, besides the fact that I learned that you don't know what MTV's The Real World is, which I'm very disappointed about. I know what it is. I never watched it. Gosh, I'm so disappointed. I learned about tuition assistance. Like, that's something I got my master's degree at my former employer, and I never would have thought to ask if they would be willing to pay for it or even some of it. So I think asking your employer about tuition assistance if you want to get further in your career in a degree or area of study, I think that was such great advice. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest takeaway is something that I've actually talked to friends about, which is look at the entire benefits plan. You're not just getting paid a salary. And if the job you're going into where you are fortunate to have a, a robust you know, wellness plan, benefits, et cetera, I think it's really important considering time off, mm-hmm. like yep. that contributes to, honestly, for me, my overall well-being. Mm-hmm. You need time off to relax and to recharge. And so I don't know. I just think you got to look at the whole picture and consider what is most important to you. Yeah, definitely. At the end of every episode, we provide our listeners with a resource that they can use to make it count in their lives. So Will, can you tell everybody what resource we have for them today? Sure. Switching careers or moving to a new city can be stressful. And today we're offering listeners the chance to download the step-by-step guide to relocating and starting a new job. It's got tips about saving money on a move, budgeting, switching careers, and getting off on the right foot with a new job. We, of course, will put the link in the show notes. Perfect. And I'm sure producer Lauren will have it already on the show notes. And I'm sure our listeners will get a lot of help from that guide and from today's episode. And we'll see you next time on Making Making It Count. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. If you learned something new, were inspired to reach your financial goals, or just found us entertaining, please subscribe, share, or rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. And don't worry, we'll be back soon with another new episode of Making Making It Count. Count.